Hey everyone, we have a Facebook and an Instagram for the Amrikis podcast. Podcast? Yes. Oh, Did, sorry, that it, was weird. How, see, that's how it sounds like when you say it. <laughs> if you don't mind liking us on both of those things, commenting, liking, subscribing, all that good stuff. It would be really appreciated because, you know, we got to get the algorithms to say we're great. Yes, indeed. At least at a minimum. Give us five stars. Five stars on Apple Podcasts or any other platform would also be great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So, so I had this awkward metaphor about like being forced to wear clothes that don't fit. And if you're always walking around in clothes that don't fit, either you pretend it does and you're uncomfortable for the rest of your life, or you just start cutting it up and trying to tailor your own clothes. And mm-hmm. by necessity, it looks weird to everyone else. It doesn't look right while you're trying to still figure out what works, what's your style. But I think that the comfort I would give everyone who's on the same path here is that you're not the only one doing it. We're all doing this together, right? Trying to figure yeah. this out. My hope is we figured out we find people who are similar to us. We give that to our children. They have um, hopefully someone that fits a little better when they grow up. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to the Amrikis podcast. Podcast. With your hosts, Hamad and Iham. Welcome, everyone, to the greatest podcast on earth. Ayo, it's the greatest show. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I messed up on that one. So have, are, are we, we going to keep this in Muhammad? You have. You always try to come in hot. You know, I think you did a good effort there. Let's keep it. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. It's like these few moments sometimes in the in the stats that we see people dropping off <laughs> and they're listening. Um, and it's the most crucial moments. And you have. I think you captivated everything. I'm. I'm. I'm hoping so. We want to introduce our returning guest, uh, good old Qaid Mai, uh, who. What last time joined us for the Ramadan mini series? It was just me and him back then. The episode was so captivating and so uh, informative that I really had to have him back here, um, and I wanted him to meet the rest of my crew. So, Qaid, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I like how you're saying you should have me meet the rest of the crew, and I know literally the other person here. So. It's just, it's just Qaid and I. We've known each other for a little while. Wait, wait, wait. How did we get to know each other? So the three of us all kind of started to know each other through this sort of nebulous kind of orbit around each other. And I was really interested in what the two of you are up to because there's very few people who are that serious about videography um, in the community. So you you already Um, knew us through like a creative aspect, like venue. Right, right. And, And it's funny because I think the two of you did what I did, which is every community opportunity you had where there's a screen you would put some of your films on right just to put (laughs) it in front of people's eyeballs uh which is kind of like really annoying because they're always trying to promote yourself and your work but i think what i didn't realize afterwards that the community kind of appreciates that they appreciate having something actually kind of cool being put in front of them and it's what i did the entire time so anyway it was through that, that I was like, oh, these are kind of cool people that I kind of want to Yeah, around. no, I appreciate that. Hamid uh, and I were like the Tucson crew that would always go up to Phoenix yeah. and engage in all these different like Muslim community stuff that you and your family were also um, engaged in. What I loved about you and your family was I always knew all of you as creative people. I've known you as mm-hmm. people who thought outside the box, did all this really cool looking productions really creative outlets um that's how i knew you and like that's for me like that was very uh cool that was very inspirational considering that muhammad and i both came from a background where we were trying to you know do a lot of uh productions we've done a few in, in our teenage years and then later tried to you know continue in that thread during our college it's not surprising that we overlapped especially uh mm-hmm. got got along so well i would say well side note here and you probably want to cut this later the two of you actually are some of the people in my life who helped sort of turn me around in a sort of i don't want to say dark part of my life but i feel like you i i'd be surprised if you didn't notice i was a pretty angry person um and had a lot of issues that i was trying to deal with and um 
it kind of reaches this point where you're unable to show kindness to other people because you can't receive kindness anymore. And Mm -hmm. any acts of kindness in my life were sort of, I pushed away as weakness. Like I thought you can't be a good person. That's just not a thing. Um, But there were people in my life. I don't want to give you too much credit. You're not the only people. There are people (laughs) in my life who always openly accepted me, right? They're always happy to have me hang around. They never pushed me away. And um, I was like, you know, these are some cool people. And I was always kind of in that place where I was worried people were going to start pushing me away. People did, and I don't blame them at all. But I think it it makes um, a huge difference when there are people who just accept you and they don't judge you and you just are able to exist. And uh, being able to do those things with you, to be able to just hang out, I think that really helped me kind of realize that I didn't have to be a loner and kind of be angry and hit people all the time. I should stop doing that thing. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of, of those sentiments. Um, I think a lot of mm-hmm. times we're not very aware of how we come across and how we influence the people around us. Um, I had no idea. So like, this is, this is a nice thing for me to hear. And I'm glad that um, at least I provided some uh, like an environment or a space where somebody could feel accepted. I know that you know, just from our previous conversations, the idea of being accepted is so like, for like it has been this challenge especially in the muslim community with you know our different backgrounds you know growing up we had this need to constantly break out and express ourselves and please hear me and it's a very american thing to do i would say um and Mm -hmm. that that definitely um you know joined us together i want to get a little bit more into that if you don't mind in our first segment here about the idea of creativity and what that meant to us growing up and how that evolved and changed with time. And so let's go ahead and start our first segment and talk about that a little bit more, if you don't mind. Let's yeah. do this. I mean, we're, we always go woo into the next segment. I don't know if you, you know this, that. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate you, uh, you humoring us that much. I'll, I'll, I'll go alone. I'll, I'll go alone. Wee. <laughs> <laughs> Yahoo. There we go. That, that's what I like. That's yeah. good. Yeah, That's you're good. you're like a natural. You should you should be on this podcast. So the idea of creativity is actually something that I don't discuss often or I don't necessarily want to attribute it to myself often. I don't see myself as an artistic person or somebody who um is is able to be unique in their expression. And I think part of this comes with how I was raised, like coming from an Arab community, like Arabs are great when it comes to calligraphy and poetry and a bunch of different ways. But I was not necessarily brought up to be somebody who was expressive with my language. Um, I think a lot of times when I did go outside of what was considered orthodox as you say uh or as you mentioned Claude, in the last uh segment um a lot of times people will be like like don't don't philosophize too much like that's too much uh you're analyzing things too much or you're thinking about things too much and so being identified with art and being artistic growing up was not a thing for me and i know you Claude, as somebody who is an artist like you i know you somebody who was as an animator, somebody who I saw regularly, like creating uh, content. Um, so I know you as an artist. Is that something you grew up with? Is that something that you identify with? Um, and, or is it something recent? I, I'm happy to talk about myself, but let me put on my therapist glasses for one second here. I'm not a licensed therapist. Um, <laughs> it feels like there's a couple of layers and buckets to what you were trying to say here, right? One is imposter syndrome. No one wants to, we're, we're very allergic to associating things with ourselves when we feel like we don't deserve it. I feel like I was hearing kind of some of that. And I think everyone feels that, right? Like and even as you were having me on the show. On show, Muhammad and I. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Imposter syndrome um, has been a theme here, but continue. Okay. Yeah, even as I'm sitting here, I'm like, you know, who should be here instead of me, right? I'm like already replacing myself because I don't feel like I sh- I I have the place to uh, I'm in the right place to talk about this and so on. Um, but the other thing is also like we have this weirdly narrow, rigid definition of what it means to be creative, and it's almost always something to do with the arts. Um, 
But what I feel like I hear a lot more is, are you, I don't know, brave enough to go express yourself, do something a little mm. different, right? Break out. Um, I think that really is the heart of what's going on with creativity. So for me, growing up, um, I have a leg up, I feel, um, because my mom was very much into wanting to foster that. So she came from a really diverse background of traveling the world a lot because she was in the diplomatic family. So she spoke many languages, met lost all the different places. And so um, I think always saw herself as a creative, as someone who thought differently. And she does. And she can't go anywhere without ruffling someone's feathers because she just doesn't agree with anyone. Um, <laughs> That's and, really and cool. She, Your mom sounds uh, like a G. Uh, yeah, she, she's very active in the community uh, and uh, she has a reputation that follows her around. But she cares a lot about the arts, which is actually something really funny when she, she was a principal of an Asama school. And when you say you want to develop our arts program and our music program, you're going to have a lot of resistance sure. from a community that traditionally see those things as useless, as marginal at best. Um, but that was something that was really important for us at home. Um, so I do want to jump real quickly into the fact that I am Chinese American and that traditionally with a lot of Chinese families and Asians really in general, there is this pressure to have some sort of music under your mm. belt. So piano or violin mm. or so on. But I don't want to speak for all Asians. There's just quite a few of us. I don't know if you last counted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's this pressure, right, to have it's almost always piano or violin or some sort of string instrument. And then nothing, right? They don't want you to actually be a concert violinist or something. They're just like, you need to do it because it's our family reputation because that's the thing you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And then um, you go to these lessons. They don't care. Like, it's like you go to school, then you go to lessons till like 7 p.m. or whatever. Like, it's this whole thing. And they don't actually want you to be in music. But my mother was really different in that sense where she really cared about music for music's sake and art for art's sake. And um, we were surrounded by canvases and musical instruments and things growing wow. up. And so there was just this environment in which this free expression and exploration was always encouraged. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. My mom was still very much a tiger mom and like we would be like in trouble if we weren't practicing. But like that environment, I think, gave me a huge leg up. The second thing I want to point out here is that we were homeschooled, so I have no social skills. But what did happen, we never learned to hate learning. We weren't forced into chairs and had knowledge crammed down our throats. And so this sense of exploration mm -hmm. was central to how we, uh, when I say we, me and my many, many, many siblings. Um, your your uh, colleagues yeah. <laughs> in class. Your, your clan. Or, or as, as we say in uh, Asian, our, our competitors. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the sense of exploration and an environment um, that was open for us, I think, was key to how I identified as a creative growing up. Um, and just to shorten this already very long story, I then got very much into, uh, I, I doodled a lot, and then I got really into videography. We had like, video cameras, we just like recorded dumb things all the time. And then I got really into post-production, which got me into animation, which got me to where I am today. So uh, very interesting um, that you bring up video production. You've mentioned it a few times, and that was just you know my thing from the beginning in regards to my right. outlet for uh, expression of creativity. And you know, I'm I'm curious um, because it's something that that I started with just because I had the cameras around. I figured out, you know, when the first Firewire cards were going to be released. <laughs> I mean, and sorry, I did this wash of nostalgia <laughs> as you talk about Firewire here. I mean, okay. and, I mean, yeah. that's that's one of the. I mean, we've said this many times on this podcast. Muhammad and I met over video, like we met over video production. Mm -hmm. One of the first things that we created was a documentary about the masjid, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, but Muhammad, did you already have an interest in videos before I met you? Like, did you have a camera? Yeah, the camera was already provided. And it, it kind of stems from the conversation Qad was just having about, you know, having that facility in front of you and, and available um, and then encouraged is, is another part to it. But, you know, we we had this really expensive video camera, camcorder, Sony, that had capabilities for for like a Firewire to connector. Mm -hmm. And um, it allowed you know me to mess with it, figure out all the features with it, and then, you know, do do things that I thought would be, you know, like it would get me the most attention, which is like, 
you know, making montages of birthdays and these kind of things that we do at the house. And, you know, it would get my parents and my siblings crying and laughing and, you know, throughout many different emotions and get me really excited. So I I always loved it, still love it. Um, But I had a hard time. um, It wasn't nurtured. So I had a hard time. Like it was uphill battle um, trying to be a video production. Is there any creativity like in your in your family's history, like when it comes to your mom and your dad and like. Specifically, like, for example, my dad, um, he says this, talks about it very often, uh, used to write poetry. Um, yeah. And he, he would write poetry and about so many different things. He used to sing. He was in plays when he was younger. Um, that kind of thing. And so my dad right. was like an expressive person. My mom, on the other hand, I don't remember her talking much about her expression. But was there anything like that in your family culture? And I don't mean to put you under uh, you know, the, the spotlight okay. here. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, a lot of people that know me know my family and know I come from a very conservative family. So I that being said, um, you know, we we had music. We heard music growing up because my mom would like to listen to music. But it wasn't like something that we my dad didn't do any of that. My mom didn't have any outlet for creative expression. Um, so it was an. It was a foreign idea mm, in our house, mm. um, but it was, you know, it was kind of that one track mindset that we hear traditionally, which is you need to focus on either the religion or becoming a doctor or becoming a lawyer or becoming an engineer. Like these I'm are interested. your, um, your religion was a path that was allowed to you. Like you could go and never earn a salary and just bum out um, I <laughs> or become an imam it's funny it's funny that you touch on that one because i actually once um thought like okay i'm i'm not really good at this school stuff especially uh down the medical path uh what if i asked my dad about this really cool um university in in medina uh and this program that they have and i asked him and it wasn't met it wasn't met very nicely so i guess that wasn't really an option <laughs> right well something else that you did in Muhammad growing up that i remember that we both participated in was uh, singing nasheed um yeah. so you mashallah have a good voice a great voice in my opinion oh, um you. and we would sing to i forgot that can be considered yeah there's creative. you know yeah. there's some sort of creativity <laughs> when it comes to nasheed i would say um but i i can identify with what you're saying in regards to being in a in a family environment that's not set up for that but it sounds like mm-hmm, it sounds no. like its family its environment was set up for yeah. for all sorts of different types of uh, expression no music in my family i never learned how to play a musical instrument i know plenty of arab families that also share this with me um but it sounds like music was something that was readily available for you like growing up learning it be like being around it yeah yeah there was never really any sort of limits put on that so i i did focus a lot on my mom because she was this um the beacon for all things creative in our family Mm. um my dad is a much more of a I'll use the term conservative here, but I, not in the conventional sense. He just liked things a certain way and just did things a certain way. And, you know, he was very much the kind of guy who says, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and worked hard. I mean, he's the hardest working person I ever mm. knew. Um, and as a result, I don't think he was as interested in all of my little weird exploits as I was trying little experimental things, try weird things with animation and so on. And for, for him, uh, I would take some songs that we'd heard and I would try to make music videos out of them. And then he would feel like I was like destroying the legacy of those songs or like, oh, wow. he liked those okay. songs. And he was like, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of damaging the goods here. Like, it's, you know, that, you're, you're that bad, spoiling it with your, you know, horrifying imagination <laughs> so, there. So, you, um, so but, you had that little bit of that, like you can relate a little bit to that Arab culture that I'm talking about. Mm. Oh yeah. Sorry. This isn't me trying to say I can relate to what other people are going no, through I'm, no i'm drawing I'm, like having that i'm repression. drawing right. the connection uh, i didn't feel limited okay um mm. in terms of what i wanted to do um i we'll get into more I mean, of that later, i don't want to certainly i had a fairly expressive um experience growing I up i mean i don't want to throw my family under the bus too much like even though like the environment wasn't there like i didn't 
I felt like I could still make things, you know. So Muhammad and I mm, yeah. would make like video stuff all the time, and Muhammad like later on would go on to, you know, uh, take that video uh, production and media production into an actual job. Well, let me I let know. me try this though. Would you say that this expression, this creative works and productions, is something that was sort of more tolerated as long as you were doing it while you were still young? And as you became a grown up, it was like you got to grow out of that stuff. You got to be something more serious now. Would that? Yeah, uh, I, I for me, I would have to say that you know it was a very common phrase that you know you would say you you can do both you for can, now. You can do video production and you can do um, you know becoming a doctor. But obviously, becoming a doctor requires more time and dedication. So if it's at the expense of it, then you know focus on that. Um, when I would. In my experience, in my personal story, is like when I would continue to pursue more time in video production, and then, like you have said, later became a, a job for me. Um, I joined my local CBS station as a video editor, which was really cool, by the way. Like, yeah, I, it was a lot I got of fun. a chance to go to the <laughs> studio. It's like my buddy, you know. <laughs> but um, and, and you know, it's a live broadcast, so very high stress environment, but mm -hmm. really, really fun, and. You know, but it, it you know it kept me on my toes and and in that field, my parents didn't really like it. I was spending too much time on it. So no, the answer is no. Uh, it, it was not. It was not okay to have that. Even even there's another phrase um, that is said, which is, "What do you? What's what's the extent? Are you going to be a producer? Or are you going to be a director? Yeah, where are you going As with this? Like, it, is, it yeah. means to an end. Like, how is this going to feed you?" <laughs> Yeah, and and then and then even those titles, which I consider even at this time like very prestigious, you know, were kind of said in a mocking way. So in our cultures, they aren't really, you know, you're not going to look at a director or a producer and say, "Wow, this person is as equal as a doctor." But it doesn't matter. There is no equality in that thing. It's it's yeah. a, it's an expression and a, and a career choice. So actually, Muhammad, we're talking to a guest here with the literal title of senior design strategist so how prestigious would that title have been to your parents <laughs> i don't know if you know this um i went to school doing engineering because despite how i grew up i still felt like i couldn't pursue the arts oh, or anything else you're as me. a career even yeah. in your even and in your upbringing with that much support you still felt the need to oh for sure 100 percent. like i could not i i knew what i wanted to do but I forced it down and told myself like I couldn't show my face around the community if I didn't if I wasn't an engineer if I wasn't going to law school. Um, did, anyway, did, one did year later and several failed that? math classes afterwards, I was like, no, I can't. Wait, you're not good at stuff. math? Sorry, sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hold um, on, hold on. So your your parents did not push you towards that career path. You chose it because you felt like you had to. I don't know how to like maybe you'll understand this like i don't think they consciously told me anything and yep. i still mm -hmm. felt some sort of pressure and i don't know how much it was from them how much is just from like how doctors and engineers are viewed in general what it was yep. like in the community i just yeah. didn't feel like it was an option i i can um, relate to that because i don't think my yeah. parents ever literally told me you could not do x or you should do y mm -hmm. I don't know if that's how Muhammad's uh, uh, upbringing was mm -hmm. but for me it was just the millions of voices in the back of my you know, head mm -hmm. of people like revering my dad for being a doctor, you know? So like being, you know, of status in that sense was one way to get people's attention and respect in society. And that's, and on top of all that, like coming from an immigrant family, um, being able to produce for your family, like that's also something mm -hmm. that was highly um, respected and highly, um, you know, valued in, in our culture. Muhammad, uh, did you, were you specifically uh, told yeah. you could or could not do something? I mean, I, I would hear both, right? I would hear the voices inside my head that would tell me I couldn't, but I would also, I, I'm the type of person that tested things all the time and to their limits. And I found that, um, you know, there, there were times where I would be directly told, like, especially with, um, the, you know, my medical path, um, graduating in my physiology degree was not my choice but i like i like the subject you know that thankfully i did but i wasn't that good at it yeah <laughs> and it wasn't my passion it's not where i wanted to go thankfully that you know even after having that degree um 
and realizing there's really not much I can do with it without actually pursuing medical school, um, it gave me an opportunity to relook at what I actually want to do. And, you know, it's, you know, I remember the person that told me and who now is my wife, you know, what do you actually want to do? I cried. I, I actually cried. I was like, I never thought about it for such, you know, for such a long time. Um, and then, you know, had this kind of moment where I got to think about all the things I'm passionate about and, you know, what makes me happy. And, and it did come down to creativity. It did come down to video production. And that's where I took it. Um, I became a videographer again and um, went into that field. It's pivoted since. I still am in a creative space um, working at a creative company. But it's, you know, it's definitely part of who I am. And, and I've had an uphill battle throughout it. Mm. So here, here's why I want to interject a little bit. Earlier, we talked about creativity and then that somehow meshed into activism and sort of this energy you have as a young person. And I don't think that's incidental. Mm. And it's interesting that you talked about your dad, who is well-respected, yeah, I'm sorry, as a, a doctor. But then you talk about his poetry and uh, did you say he sang? Um, yeah, like when he was really young. Yeah, he, he mm -hmm. listened to singing. Um, and it's weird to me that we sort of think like these are things that are the dominion of young people. Like you can do that stuff when mm. you're younger or you can ruffle people's feathers or try to be an active or stuff when you're younger. But when you start to need to support people, when you become a grown person, grown people don't do that, right? There's a very strange shift in how we're forced to do something else. And Mohammed, I think the part that really struck a chord with me is when you're asking about what you actually want to do and you chose a path that you said that was creative. But I think maybe I'm being a little too much of an idealist here, that anyone who truly follows what they want to do and are empowered to do that, are, that's in a creative act in of itself, right? Creativity isn't mm. about art or visual design or whatever. It's about um, expression. It's about carving a path. It's about doing something meaningful. And I assume you're doing yeah. something that you find more fulfilling than having followed the other track in med school. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly, I appreciate you sharing that. That's exactly what it, what I, I feel about it. I mean, well. this is a very heavy subject for me as you're talking about it, Qa'id, because this, and we've talked about this, Muhammad and I, in, a diff, in different episodes, but like the idea of doing what you want to do is such a, it needs so much courage in my, in my mm -hmm. world um, because there is this heaviness. I remember once I was talking to a family friend, older family friend, uh, telling him that and this was my freshman year it's like oh i would i if i really wanted to study what i wanted to study i would study media production and he's like well sure but you know in the future and this is verbatim what he said it's like when your wife wants that new chandelier and you need to be able to have enough money i think he was kind of talking from his own experience um and <laughs> you need to you need to have that money <laughs> to uh to get to her that new chandelier what are you gonna do um, and which make basically, more videos. yeah, I'm make more videos, but it literally put like the, the value of what you do based on how much money mm -hmm. you make. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely something that is, is across the board, um, an ideal and a value that we, uh, the Arab Americans <laughs> value. Um, it's like, there, there's a lot to unpack by the way. I know, I know. And that we, we can definitely <laughs> unpack it, but okay, but keep, let's keep moving. But, but no, no, but what it kind of goes back to what you were saying about like the act of going after what you want to be a creative endeavor. And I think it, that does come from a place of privilege and it needs to be empowered. It <clears> needs <throat> to have people that are able to kind of push you, um, and tell you that it's going to be okay if this is what you want to do. And not that my family was not empowering, but the set of what makes uh, somebody successful, the set of standards, was very limited from mm -hmm. my background and my perspective. Yeah. I think traditionalist and conservatist mindsets, com conservatist is not a word, um, kids, um, conservative <laughs> mindsets come from a survivalist place right and so like my dad definitely had um I'm trying to think back about his upbringing but it was more or less the same thing where it's like the most important thing is to find that stability is to be able to bring in that income is you yeah. know and he actually was obsessed about us getting government jobs because he didn't really think the private sector was a stable place and he's like you got to get a government job uh, mm. but i think that was where that's always coming from which is like taking these risks 
trying to do these expressive or socially activist things, that's nice. But do that in your spare、right. time. You know, focus on and when so so when you said that like it's gonna be okay if you go after these things, you know, I have these little red flags in my head going off from all the voices I've heard in my life where it's like, no, you don't know if it's gonna be okay. Like you you could starve, right? You could follow、yeah. your dream of being a I don't know a dancer, and you're not gonna be able to support a family. You might not even be able to support yourself.、And、Can't buy that chandelier for your wife for sure. <laughs> you know? But they're not. They're not one hundred percent wrong either, right? We don't、yeah. live in a country or an economy or a system that is friendly towards empowering people to be able to make these meaningful things,、uh, do these meaningful things. Yeah, yeah. Okay.、Um, so I want to take a step back real quick, and instead of talking about、um, you know how art is defined by our backgrounds or our families or where we come from in our culture, just in terms of Whether or not we consider ourselves artistic, and where that desire to produce really comes from.、Um, in fact, I, when it comes to whether or not I consider myself artistic, it's only recently that I even started seeing myself that way. I had a conversation with my buddy Cameron Hood,、um, who recorded a podcast episode、um, on this podcast called "Seeking the Revolution Within."、Yeah, you can go back and listen to it. And he was one of the first people that even suggested to me that I was an artistic person. He's a musician. He's a graphic designer. He's somebody who would be considered like a traditional artist.、Um, so I would always defer to him on artistic issues. But then one day he kind of just suggested to me, "It's like, hey,、um, you're an artist too." And then he gave me all these different options. So like, I'm like, oh wow, I never really thought about that that way. And、mm-hmm. so. Um, I want to just kind of introduce this subject a little bit in terms of your own personal reasons for doing what you're doing,、um, and and what it like. Do you see yourself as an artist? I guess what I want to say is that I, I maybe I artist is wrong the wrong word for me, but I definitely see myself more as a creative person.、Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, what the line is between the two, but for me, I just find myself, you know, always thinking. In in a creative way, whether that be simple things that I do on a regular day basis to into you know finding new processes to do my day job you know easier,、um, and and all that is creative. Like Claude was saying, you know there there isn't、um, it isn't a very you know traditional sense of what that word means、um, to me. So yeah, I, I consider myself creative. I've always been.、Um, And then specifically in a traditional sense, I, you know that video production has always been kind of like the main thread in my creative career. Sure, sure. Well, but what pushed you? What pushed both of you to create what you created? The, the whole thing with being creative is wayfinding your own path, right? Is to look at a problem and try to figure out how to solve it, rather than just trying to check the boxes you've been told to check. Yes.、Um, So much of our jobs, and we've been conditioned this since we were school children, is you need to be in this place and this time doing this activity, and here are the measures for success. And the creative in all of us, right? Every one of us is a creative at some level. I guess where I was trying to go with this is that when we avoid calling ourselves artists, we are avoiding calling ourselves this traditional sense of someone who wears hemp, who has an exhibit once a month, <laughs> who knows all these obscure French artists, right, off the back of their hand. That's not what we're associating ourselves with, but we associate ourselves with this childish sense of imagination,、mm. where we're okay with imagining things being different and asking ourselves, "What if?" and "I don't like this, and I want something else."、Um, and it's interesting because from all of our cultures, we're told to repress that voice,、um, but、right. being able to make creative and meaningful choices is being very comfortable with the language of being、uh, imagination. I feel like I'm from. I'm on a PBS show right now,、um, <laughs> which we all watched. Which we all watched growing up. Like these these concepts were instilled yeah, in us,、yeah. you as know, as children, right? As children, see, yeah. And then the older the programming gets, the more it's about now fitting into those boxes, right? No longer、mm-hmm. being able to imagine outside. Like the the imagination, the the breadth of that starts to narrow.、Yeah. Um, but I think like. I've been talking this entire time about personal expression, which is actually not something I cared about that much growing、mm. up. I think what I really liked was making people laugh. I liked、yeah. putting something on screen that brought people together. Yes,、um, we talked about this a little earlier, but I would abuse every chance I had at school to hijack the screen or the TV in a room and just start playing my videos on it. And、um, it 
most of the time would entertain people, right? And yeah. I there was just this energy that I got from it that was like amazing to see that I could get reactions from people or that they would really connect with something that was happening there. Yes. Hamid and I would regularly produce things that we could show to people and get that kind of reaction as well. I remember Muhammad uh, went through so much trouble once in the masjid to make sure that he could project things on two different projectors instead of one. Um, and I was, I was, and uh, that was the kind of thing that Muhammad and I would do so much is try to find new ways of getting reactions and and producing good content and with high quality and like all of that was like really really important to us all the time if you remember Muhammad. yeah i mean let me just set the frame on that one real quick it was a very traditional mosque that never had a tv let alone one projector <laughs> we had two double wall projectors I, 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 no but here's the thing it's, playing it sounds at the same very time. like it's it sounds like not a big deal right uh, but for us to need just like what god was talking about in terms of trying to find solutions and trying mm -hmm. to like find the way to for uh, for our messages to have maximum impact exactly um, mm -hmm. i was was the main thing that we were trying to uh like i'm i'm, I'm having a hard time <laughs> no I, but, the, but yeah but that and, feeling I, that like it, like i'm expressing it in grunts because like it brings <laughs> like even even today i'm, I'm kind of getting a little goosebumpy about it that's where all that energy came from that desire when you are actually really inspired to do something right when yeah. something like you're so fully completely committed to making this vision come to life um there's this like energy that you don't know where it's coming from right like you know you look at how ancient people talk about this stuff they talk about muses they talk about god taking their hand and making them do these things because it feels like an exterior force acting through point, you right. right and it it like i can't sleep when i'm on one of these projects right i'm just working non-stop on this my story about how i transformed my local message was yes. i climbed to the roof to cover all the windows from the <laughs> upper floor with garbage bags um so i could turn the entire mosque completely dark so then we could control the lighting inside of it um for a maximum oh, you viewing were... experience wow <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean that that sounds amazing uh and we Pam and i can both relate to it because we once created this video about like uh, muslim graduates like in our um in, like high school graduates in our community and we um synced up the video that we were projecting on the wall with what was happening in real life. So as soon as the actors on the on the screen went into the mosque, the real actors entered the mosque, like, and it... And then there was like a spotlight, a spotlight on, them, on them. And then the entire masjid uh, went into applause in a way that we've never experienced <laughs> before. And like... Like this is this is the good stuff. This is what we like. I mean, that's peak. Uh, <laughs> that's peak. <laughs> that's peak. Video production. That's, that is that is uh, peak heresy. What is Shohada this clapping in a mosque nonsense? Which, yeah, I mean, I uh, mean, yeah, no, we did, yeah, we did something similar. Right. Uh, actually, my classmates and I, we also did one of those things where we. Um, we acted like we were late to the event and so we said we're going to use a this is really dumb a magic blanket to get us there so we threw this blanket over us and then like green screen ourselves out <laughs> and then we all popped out from outside the screen uh behind wow, the screen that's um, amazing. What's, what's but here's that's the amazing. thing though like what like i know like for us yeah the energy of of uh of that kind of excitement definitely would push us to do these things but like what's really behind all of it like where did we like where does all this come from really you know mm -hmm. this desire to like to create and this desire to influence like it was always in me personally i think this is a thing that Muhammad and i definitely like um still uh overlap in i think without this we mm -hmm. would have never yeah. been able to even continue to do this podcast because if Muhammad and i both did not share this desire to continuously yeah um put our create put our uh you know vision out there like try to influence people we would have stopped long time ago we would have never continued uh, yeah i yeah. i'd love to hear your thoughts on where you think this comes from i think there's like a bunch of different buckets here to look into but mm -hmm. one that i'm interested in is empowerment um as we did these things we were how should i put this you go to school like i did a lot of this as a student 
you go to school and you're told you have to do this test or do this assignment. And for doing it, you're not rewarded or anything. Nothing happens, nothing changes. The world is exactly the same. But had you not picked up that camera and filmed something and put it on the screen and did all the work it did to get it there, it would never have happened. This is entirely on you. And there's a huge sense of empowerment behind being that sole reason something was created. And once you've done it, it gives, it's a high and you want to be more empowered. And I think I keep going back to this thing about making meaningful choices and doing things you want to do that's connected innately with creative acts because these are acts of empowerment where you give yourself permission to do things you really want to do. Give yourself permission to do what you really want to do. Uh, that's really that's good. So, that's that's so heavy though for me. Like that's no, but it's 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 wise words. I I would have to agree. Like and everything that I think about, as Claude just mentioned, it all comes from a creative place. You know, trying to allow yourself to follow your path and and what makes what what success is for you, and then finding a way through it. You know, either through your career path or the choices that you make, and 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 allowing it to be as traditional or non-traditional as you want it to be but finding your own ways through it and i think there is a lot of creativity in that empowering it's almost necessarily non-traditional i feel you have to go you have to to go against the norm for sure um what what does the opposite look like real quick so tradition going traditionally does that suck out all creativity i'm just i mean conforming in of itself is an antithetical to creativity because Uh you're you're suppressing so much of what makes you uniquely you well, there are people who get something out of it because it just so happens that's who they want to be, right? Um, oh, like, so by coincidence. Right. And so let's think about the biggest, you know how there's a group, there's a demographic in our community, usually young men who are totally into the more conservative interpretations of Islam and everything. And they will wear the stereotypical clothing, grow the stereotypical beards and so on. And they're all in on that. I think for them, it's actually quite fulfilling. I think they're finding something they want to do there um, because it all fits what the picture in their heads. It's just, it's not coincidence though that that's like 2% of the community. Everyone else, they're like, that's not me. And they end up going off to do separate things. And we just all happen to be heretics. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, but the, the issue is that there are so many creative people out there that get suppressed to fit into this box, like mm-hmm. into this box that really we're not really meant to fit into to begin with. Um, yeah. And I find that pretty sad because I would, I want to know what, like, I want, I want people to be empowered to be who they are um, with like, if they, and if they choose to stay within the Islamic creed, have that guide the process versus restrict it. Well, can I change, uh, turn this conversation a bit towards how our productions were received by the Islamic communities that we were in? Mm. One of the first things that I wanted to just bring up is Things that my family and families like my family were always afraid of is, and we've talked about this as a theme on this podcast, is what will people say? So doing things that may not be traditional in a sense, you know, is putting yourself out there, is going out on a limb. What will people say? Is it positive? Is it negative? So we toyed that line with our video production and how we want, you know, what the response was going to be from the community. Uh, generally, the overwhelming power uh, that was going on during that day was people were so overwhelmingly excited. And, you know, like you said, the clapping that's traditionally questioned was not a question during, you know, after uh, our little uh, presentation. So I think the community loved it in, in, in the way what we have and I presented our creativity mm-hmm. to the community and and always was thriving for more. And, and that's what got us to want me to and this is one. what 10 15 years ago for you this is uh yeah 15 mm-hmm. years ago about yeah and you almost still sound surprised that you were able to get away with these sort of things and i yeah. think it's very telling that we think there are these barriers there that are going to stop us these hard obstacles which <laughs> there's actually nothing they can do right nothing anyone can do to stop you from doing these things um and then once you've done it you're like oh wow we just we just I did mean, it we just i mean to, yeah. to a certain extent, um, those barriers 
have continued to follow us. So Mohammed and I, when it comes to this podcast, for example, when we first mm-hmm. started, we were much more reserved uh, about yeah. what we can and can't say, our language, um, the subject matter, the specific things that we're going to discuss, the personal nature of things. Um, and all of that is influenced and informed by our experience of feeling like we need to continue to suppress suppress Mm -hmm. suppress and it's still that way like this podcast as it is is still somewhat reserved it's still somewhat toned down we're trying Mm -hmm. and we have done a really good job at continuing to push the barriers and the goalposts but nonetheless like it's been very difficult to Mm -hmm. push past those um but let me backpedal real quick um i'm i love that the community uh your reflection of how the community responded was just acceptance and they loved what they saw and to a certain degree in my experience i had a lot of positive reactions but mostly was like younger folks right and then i started to get a lot of pushback and as i moved into college there was increasingly hard pushback from like older people in the community who are like, mm-hmm. you're not making good things. Like these are the traditional, you're corrupting the youth kind of arguments, right? right? Um, that's lobbed at people anytime they start, you know, um, trying to express and say something that touches a nerve and actually somewhat meaningful. A lot of my works were not meaningful. They were just dumb fun. But at the same time, I don't know if this happened to two of you, you would have like these uncles who would come up to you and be like, you know, what's a better use of your time? If you made a documentary about such and such caliphate or something, right? Like people need to know about this stuff. This is the good things you need to be producing. And it's so weird to me that it's like, oh, thank you. I'll let me just go and do exactly what you asked me to to make this incredibly like tone deaf and like documentary no one wants to watch, right? Like I'm not going to do that. Like I want to do something that's interesting and hilarious and pe- something people want to relate to right now. Um, not that there's any, I have anything against history. I'm a huge history buff. Yeah. Um, but I think that's another form of repression that I was bonking my face into. Um, and after a while I was banned from filming around the masjid because, um, reasons, uh, wait, so were you really banned from filming around the masjid? Oh, I was, the board summoned me to a hearing or whatever. And I had to like sit. I love it. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Wait. I mean, I mean, we got the benefit of the doubt because we were like kids who grew up in the masjid, which you were as well. But um, it seems like you're right. A lot of the stuff we got away with because we were young. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I've, I've, you know, just along that lines, I've had my camera smashed before. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah. And it's, it's people are not that um, happy sometimes with what you want to make or produce. Hey, or, Muhammad, are people happy with our podcast? You know, <laughs> there are, there is a section of audiences of, of, of our audience that listen to us that, don't actually like this <laughs> that's okay well what do you do what do you do with that um not much i i'm definitely i'm definitely open for feedback you know don't get me wrong as long as it's constructive but if if the if the uh criticism is you shouldn't put yourself out there or you shouldn't express yourself um that's antithetical and i keep using that word a lot but antithetical to our vision that's why we do this yeah. uh, we can't create outside of that of of that scope um we want to express what who we are what's going on in our head what our struggles are even if it's going to make people uncomfortable well something that i've also learned and thank you have is that like people might think and i and i've had to learn this because i did not understand it um is that people think we may be doing things to be different so we're doing different things just to be different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think for those that maybe are not creative and i don't know if i'm using this the right way but for those that don't allow for being different for the ex- sake of expressing yourself find this this concept and this construct very odd like extremely odd and so there may be a lot of you know misjudgments and i I think you're right muhammad on that because i think a lot of people are like why are you even doing this like have you like why have you like have you come across people who just don't understand like the need to express the need to create 
I mean, all the time, right? Right. So I I do graphic design work. I produce videos and I do cartoons. And I am constantly, but I would say the flavor of resistance I get a lot are people who think that I'm attacking the religion, and、mm. their response is a defensive、right. one, where they feel like they need to protect something.、Right. So, Mohammed, when you were saying that people、uh, would classify what we were doing as just attention seeking, we wanted to be different for the sake of being different.、Um, I, I will say that part of that was true, but also that seems like an attack. It seems like an insult to say like I'm being different because I'm trying to provoke a reaction. I think, however, if you grow up in a community or in families or in groups where it seems everyone around you is constantly stopping you from being able to become who you want to be, or <laughs> even stopping themselves from expressing who, it becomes incredibly frustrating. So you're internally screaming all the time, and so after a while, the only natural thing is to start poking people until you get a reaction. Right?、Um, when you say that people get sore about these sort of things. That's kind of why we do this sometimes too, right? Like not the entire reason, but I think sometimes once you've poked that and you've seen the reaction, you're like, "This is why we do this at all.、Uh, this is why we do this because we never talk about this because we refuse to talk about it." And so now the only way, like this incoherent scream you get back from people sometimes, is because there's no other way for them to discuss this except to try to shut you down. Sure. So our podcast actually has two fronts of people that we're trying to. Uh, push back against the 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 mainstream that actually erases our identity, Arab Americans、mm-hmm. from, you know, movies and media that、yep. were like, hey, see us, this is who we are, and then our own community who want to try to erase the nuance and the duality of our, our identities. So we're we're kind of tired of being、uh, shut down and not listened to from both of these people. So sure, in that sense, I. I, I was so to... happy to see that episode about Rami, which I was like, "Why did you have an episode which was spoilers free? Like, you can't get into any of the good stuff if you don't jump into spoilers." <laughs> but, like, here's a weird thing, right? Like, I'm I'm Chinese American, but I've hung out with more Arabs than I have with Chinese people, and like that sitcom like spoke to me on so many、sure. levels, and I was like, "This was amazing, right?" But you saw Rami get exactly the same kind of pushback, right? There's all these people who are saying this is not how Muslims should be, or this is a bad example of what an Arab American is, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same thing about trying to erase people so that we can maintain this image about what we should yeah. be. Yeah, it does take a lot of courage to be able to express yourself for sure and put yourself out there. This is not easy. I think Muhammad and I and Alaa, and she can tell you more if she was here. And we have discussed this in the past. It's gotten a lot easier with time to put ourselves out there and just. You know, put all our you know personal stuff out there,、um, but but it never becomes a hundred percent easy. There's this kind of weird、mm-hmm. little mask that we have to wear.、Um, I think Muhammad can probably relate to this more than more than I can because I'm sometimes I'm much more okay putting myself out there. The, no, no. But but there there are times and there are subjects where I'm more comfortable than、sure. Nihab and, and Nihab is more comfortable、sure. than me. It it is it is a balancing act, but I think a lot of it has to do with what Qaed said earlier, which is,、uh, you know, playing music in the masjid, for example, was、uh, who said we can't do it? Let's just do it and see what happens.、Uh, when we start sharing things and we start talking about topics that people don't really talk about publicly,、um, and and having you know tough conversations like、yeah. we've had in this podcast, people either. You know, have a hard time accepting all of that、uh, and and ridiculing it, or、um, you know,、uh, taking a second to 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 listen to the discussion、uh, actively. Sure. What I found so interesting about all the video productions that I saw the two of you produce in back then was that almost all of them had something to do with social commentary, especially within the community.、Yep. I'm sure you maybe produced other things, but that was all I saw. Yeah. And it was so interesting that you took all this creative energy, and that's the target you went after, which I think says something about the nature of speaking out, expressing yourself, empowering yourself to do that, and its position in changing a society, getting these conversations started. There's a negative pushback from people that say, "Oh, you've caused all this uh, uh, fitna, right, in our community by causing this trouble. You bring up this topic, and you get people angry, and blah blah blah." And I think that. These conversations need to happen. I don't agree with like the incivility, but sometimes pieces of art are extremely good, maybe optimally good at getting these conversations going. Remember that really、uh, that thing that came out 
maybe 10 years ago now called Mipsters. Yes. It was while the hipster yes. thing was at its peak. And someone took up a camera and they filmed a bunch of hijabis on skateboards. Or not skateboards. They were doing things. They were just being hipsters. They looked artistic mm -hmm. and, and different. And they were on skateboards. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen it, this is old stuff now. There was very little that was actually controversial about it. It was just people being extra on camera. And it caused like this weird firestorm. Like people were legitimately upset about this. And um, it just felt like even the act of expressing yourself. And this is specifically, I think, just because there were women. Claude, you bring up a really good point about how Muhammad and I in our previous you know, works have all been about social commentary. But for me on a personal level, a lot of my work, including this podcast, is about um, putting myself out there, being vulnerable, and trying to find acceptance from a community that I would that I'm looking for that would provide that acceptance. Like that gives me a lot of comfort personally. And I think I'm hungry for that since I think growing up between two two different worlds, it was hard for me to receive that acceptance on a regular basis. And so a lot of my work is geared towards that. I'm not saying that I want people to approve of me all the time, but for me to just, I mean, I think as social creatures, like we want to find the, that place that we belong. And uh, that's a big part of my own artistic um, outlet and expression. And um, I think, Muhammad, you, you share that vision with me, Sahih Muhammad. Yeah, 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 I do. And I, I just have to say that like it's, you know, the community, like <clears throat> growing up Muslim American, Iraqi Arab American, whatever you mix you want to call it, you would have to find out what is it that is you? What is, who are you? And we always talked about it when we were kids, you know, that Muslim identity, who are we? <clears throat> but, and, and that's an evolving, ever-growing thing. So for me, um, what it was specifically was I'm Muslim and American. That's my thing. So I went after that as much as I could and as best as I could. Um, the thing that allowed, you know, my my personal part come out was, you know, all the creativity that we've been discussing. And it, you know, both the Muslim and the American part, you know, worked, but the cultural parts were the parts that always held us, uh, you have an eye back. So yeah, when we talked about social constructs, we were definitely taking jabs at it, uh, you know, especially because we never th that was the thing that we we didn't like. Um, but so, we do it. Yeah. We do I, it from a place of love, though. We do it with the, from a place of yes, constructive of course, criticism. Right. We don't want to throw anybody under the bus. And a lot of times our commentary is about people um, mm -hmm. and not necessarily about the essence of the culture or the religion, for sure. Totally. Yeah. And these Just are characters. These are conversation I think that makes sense. You know, this is social commentary we're making as American Muslims within an American Muslim context, right? right? And so what we're saying is sort of like the way you would talk to a sister or brother, right? And saying like, hey, I noticed this thing and we wanted to talk about it. I think some people feel like it's us trying to side with Islamophobes and being like, hey, you know, I want to attack our religion for the sake of hurting it. But that would never be where that's coming from. The other thing that I wanted to point out was that I think people, I think this is the last thing I want to point out, um, is that people have a negative reaction because they don't know what they're seeing because it's new. It's by necessity an awkward process. So, so I had this awkward metaphor about like being forced to wear clothes that don't fit. And if you're always walking around in clothes that don't fit, either you pretend it does and you're uncomfortable for the rest of your life or you just start cutting it up and trying to tailor your own clothes and mm -hmm. by necessity it looks weird to everyone else it doesn't look right while you're trying to still figure out what works what's your style but i think that the comfort i would give everyone who's on the same path here is that you're not the only one doing it we're all doing this together right trying to figure yeah. this out my hope is we figured out we find people who are similar to us we give that to our children. They have um, hopefully some that fits a little better when they grow up. Yeah. Thank you. That's a good point. Uh, and with yeah. that, let's go to our last segment um, where we talk a little bit about our current and future um, artistic endeavors. So uh, here we go. All right. Welcome back. Um, so yeah, I did want to take a little bit of some positive energy here and talk about 
what we've done in the past, what we would like, what we're currently doing, what we'd like to do in the future um, when it comes to creativity and art and being artistic. Obviously, the podcast that we're currently on has been a really great source of creativity and expression uh, for everybody who's participated in it, including all three of us. Um, you had a cartoon for a little while that was definitely doing a lot of social commentary. Do you want to pl plug that I, and talk about it a little bit? Yeah, we plugged it last time, so it feels almost <laughs> a little lame. Yeah, so it's, uh, it, we all say subhanAllah, like uh, 33 times with, the, uh, with each prayer if you're a good person. Um, <laughs> but it, this this comic's called SuperHanAllah, uh, in case you want to take your, uh, you know, uh, to speak to another level. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and that you only have to say one time in a day. <laughs> yeah. One done. super Hanala and then you're done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I would say 50% of the hate I get is from the title alone. Um, oh, so, so that is all about social commentary. And from the very get go, when I started drawing that comic, it was just this weight, this release valve for all the thoughts and like things I wanted to say about the community. Um, but I could use humor as the way that I wanted to deliver that. And I always wanted to make sure that it came from a place I actually like that I wasn't making things up that I really wanted to say these are real things this is how I actually feel. And then when I ran out of things I felt were super authentic, I was like, well, I think I'm going to close up shop here. I don't want to uh -huh. drag this out. Um, it was a really fun run and I'm sure I'm going to have a second win at some point. So I've never actually shut it down. I'm thinking mm -hmm. I might start something again, but it's going to be very different in flavor when I do do it. Probably a lot more miserable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best kind, I, by I, the way. I do have some animation projects that I have up in the pipeline that I'm working on, but don't know when those are going to be released. Um, and aside from that, in terms of like creative pursuits, I would say like, um, this stuff is always connected to me to like trying to affect social change sure. and there are a lot of opportunities to do that i don't know when that's going to happen i don't know if i'm going to be the person who's going to wish he did more socially speaking till the end of my days um but it's something that i keep in the back of my head all the time like if i didn't have to work for a living like what would i be doing and a lot of it revolves around like actively trying to make political differences yeah i mean you, you bring up a good point by the way about availability and privilege of being even able to do any of this i mean currently i don't have you know i'm not married i don't have children and uh i'm in between jobs so like it's i have enough time that would enable me to do this so um you have to be in a position to be able to be <laughs> to exercise your creativity and artistic you know artistic uh, visions let's say Muhammad's been sending me a lot of Arab rap and there's a lot of Arab, Arab uh, music. music oh my goodness guys it's uh it's a different world new age. and it's a new age they have I don't know somewhat relevant similar experiences growing up so just reconnecting with some of that has been very interesting to me these days but um to to get to the point um I do want to say like that's kind of been my drive throughout this podcast and the projects that I'm going after these days is to try to, for myself and for like the social general social good of our communities, uh, raise the bar a little bit, you know, and have these discussions. Like for example, the Amrikis podcast is one of the most important project creative projects I work on today. And I have to say that, you know, having these um, conversations sometimes may seem very easy to have but you know you have an eye freak out before an episode <laughs> and after we know it's and after <laughs> and during the you know you have editing i'm listening to the draft and you know nick taking notes about how many things i want to take out because it just feels you know uncomfortable and unnatural to to share this kind of mm -hmm. stuff with with everyone um but i know that if there's at least one person that may take value out of it then why not so it may help. And so having these conversations, helping raise that bar of like discourse for these kind of taboo topics uh, is very exciting to me. <laughs> and and I do that with Amerikis podcast. I also um, co-host another podcast with my friend Peter Williams um, called the, the podcast is called DC Weekly. Yeah, we need we need to plug it on the Amerikis. Like yeah. you haven't like i haven't even thought about that yeah we 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 uh we're very ambitious with the name weekly uh <laughs> we were <laughs> weekly for a while <laughs> and and we're not so weekly now but um we do have a cadence coming up here soon um but yeah we 
we produce content and we produce a lot of content um, that I'm really proud of. And we just talk about relevant um, um, news, sports, um, entertainment, everything that comes up, you know, in, in pop mm -hmm. culture. Thank you both for sharing your creative worlds uh, with all of us here. I think um, I think this is definitely a subject that we could talk about for hours, and I would really love to have you back to tackle some of these issues. That seems that every time I uh, invite Qaid onto the podcast, um, so many issues get generated there's so many tangents here's something that the listeners don't know is that i had to kind of probably shave off 50 percent of this episode because of the number of tangents that we went on um which is amazing <laughs> if you're just having a regular conversation and is not amazing when you're trying to edit a podcast episode um so i in fact muhammad i think we should just meet up with Qaid on a regular zoom call and just go all out let's get it out on everything and then by the end of it we'll come back and we're like oh jolly ho gentlemen we've 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 uh we've you know, filtered everything down to the most core basic elements of discussion. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you again, Qaid, for, um, for being here. Do you have any last words before we, uh, we end the episode here today? If, in terms of last words, I would say like if you're listening to this and you're looking for that reason to give yourself permission to express yourself, to engage your community, to make a difference. Like, what are you waiting for, right? And also there's these three 30-some-year-old dudes telling you to do it. So like, well, what other reason yeah. do you need? You're just, like, you're just corrupting. Most important authority in the you're world You're corrupting here. our youth, Claude, you know, so. <laughs> one Asian guy, one bald guy, and one Palestinian Why guy. Why are right? you bald? Like, Yanni, you have, you have an origin. <laughs> Like, I was looking. I was looking for something else to say. Well, I don't know. Okay, I was looking, the, the bold yeah. guy, the guy with braces, and then the muscle uh -huh. striped guy. Okay, yeah. all we right. We got you. Covered. Well, thank you for for yeah. uh, for noticing. I, I did that for you, just for uh, your noticing. All right, so I guess we're at the end of our episode here. I will end it by saying, for the Amrikis podcast, this has been Ihab, and this is Muhammad Qaid signing, signing off. off. All right, everyone, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for your listenership and your support. We love you. Take care. Ma Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. -bye. <laughs>